What's up, everybody? Welcome to We Have Cool Friends, the cool show. We interview our cool friends about the cool things they're doing. I'm Greg, and this is my cool friend, Ashley Birch. Hello. Hello. How are you? Thank you for coming. Uh, You know, we started We Have Cool Friends years ago now, and you are one of the most requested people to always come on. Oh, that's nice. I don't I don't know if you know this. People actually like you a lot. I do. They're not know just that, saying actually. it. They're not just saying it. I understand. I you assumed think it was all yeah, I thought it was a ploy. All the awards and the nominations just trying <laughs> to get you to show up to something. No, they really like you, Ashley. How are you? <laughs> you know, uh in 2020 terms, on the 2020 curve, as you said, uh yeah, yeah. You know, pretty, pretty good. decent. Pretty, pretty decent. Good. Yeah, pretty hanging good. in there. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's one of those things, obviously, uh, you know, you're here right now because of Marvel's Avengers. You are uh, Kate Bishop. I played through your whole story last night. We'll talk about it in a little bit. But in general, for I mean, it, you don't even want to say for a pandemic, for just a year, you've had a hell of a year. <laughs> uh, and I mean, like, that's not abnormal, obviously. Everybody's seen you uh, progress and, you know, become this well-known actress. But I mean, I, I wrote down the stuff that I remembered you from, let alone Musher and Red Lantern, Danica and Spider-Man Miles Morales, Mel and The Last of Us Part Two. I know you're doing the Mythic Quest. You got stuff going on in Valorant. You're showing up in Critical Role. This has been a great year for you outside of the end of humanity. <laughs> yeah, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to go out with a bang. <laughs> you want to be remembered fondly when we're warming yeah. ourselves around the fire pits as we stand under freeways yeah i want everyone to remember valorant as they're yeah <laughs> as they're trying to keep their bones warm what is i, I do you I, I it's always so hard i guess because you will always be something very specific to me and that's i remember and i don't have this for a lot of the people i know through the internet but i remember the moment i was introduced to you as a performer and it Mm. was we were at ign old office it must have been like 2008 maybe even 2007 but you would know better i guess when we get into the story but it was ryan clements had was still new at ign uh, and he was talking about how he could not stop laughing at hey ash what you playing Uh and i was like what is that? And I came around and watched a couple of them and got addicted. But it's this moment of watching you do these, you know, YouTube videos, these videos on the internet, right? Sketch comedy around video games and be like, oh, that's cool. I wonder if there's a future in that. To then jump now to 2020 and you've had this banner year as an actress. Like, do you, how, how do you wrestle with that? Because I think it's so interesting to watch you from arm's length from the internet, you know, just be somebody who we follow each other on Twitter or whatever. To see your success, do you ever stop and get to think about it? Or is it just on to the next project all the time and you don't think about the journey? I mean, it's bizarre. I, I usually only think about it in a context like this. Yeah. And um, it's weird to think about because it doesn't seem that long ago to me. But then you say 2008. Yeah. And I realize it's more than a decade ago yeah. that we started, hey, you know what I mean? It's it's just really, it's mostly just surreal because I really don't feel like we started Hey Ash that long ago, but we absolutely did. So um, I'm so grateful for all the, all the projects I've been able to be a part of, but I still definitely, there's a part of me that's like, but I'm still just that person that did Hey Ash. I'm still of that level like i don't that <laughs> my so totally. i hasn't progressed past that in my brain even though a lot of amazing stuff has happened um a time is also just weird now it feels compressed and it's turning in on itself um but yeah i don't i don't really i don't really think about it in that way except that i just i just get excited for the projects that i get to be a part of but um yeah it's it's bizarre for sure i think for so many uh normal people (laughs) the people who listen to our shows or watch our shows right you talk to them and it is this idea of what they wanted to do where their career took them what field they were entering when you start doing hey ash are you doing it with the mindset that this is going to get you into being an actor this is going to get you into games this is going to get you into live action is it just something fun you're doing no i mean i i think I remember that the stated goal of Hey Ash was just to help Anthony learn how to use a camera. He had, he basically, <laughs> he wanted to, um, a while ago before um, Indie Game, the movie came out, he wanted to make a documentary about um, indie game developers. And so he basically came up to me and was like, do you want to make stupid sketches so I can figure out how to use this camera? And I said, sure. And we, I mean, people, I feel like people say this all the time. Like we had no idea it was going to be so big. We truly didn't. We had no idea. 
I mean, big. <laughs> we were definitely hey. still niche. And I guess it's and also that thing, like I'm doing the thing I, I that I get yelled at all the time in the comments about is that everyone does probably know you as Aloy. They know you from Life is Strange. They, what is Hey Ash? If in case they didn't know <laughs> Hey Ash, we're, we're talking about this thing that's 12 years old. Like it's, oh, it's everybody so knows this. It's, it's taught in schools, YouTube. isn't it? <laughs> uh, hey Ash, what you're playing is a sketch series that I did with my brother, Anthony. That was basically just all video game related comedy. So um, it was back in the old, the old early days of you of the wild west of YouTube, where I was like us and Mega sixty four and Smosh, and that was basically it. Yeah. Um, so there weren't many options, so you guys were stuck <laughs> with us. Um, <laughs> so yeah, it was it was just silly comedy that had you know us and our family members and our friends in it, and um, like I said, we we they were originally just an exercise in learning how to make film movies whatever and um they ended up being it ended up being the thing that led to all the other things in a way that's really bizarre to me like hey ash is part of the reason that i got hired to write for mythic quest wow. 10 years later um wow. so it's it's kind of nuts to think about but yeah that's that's sort of the thing that launched. we didn't intend for it to be but it was what launched both of our careers really so at the time, right before he asked you, do you want to shoot dumb videos? What are you planning to do with your life? What is what? Is, what are you going to be doing in 12 years? I wanted to be a voice actor. Um, okay. I knew since I was, um, I was like 10 or 12 when I played Metal Gear Solid. And yeah. I was like, I want to do this. Um, so that was my goal. I didn't think about the fact that Hey Ash could help with that apart from just getting an opportunity to act and do comedy with my brother um but yeah that that was what i wanted to do okay that makes sense that makes yeah. sense i like that i like that and then i assume it just opened doors right because i know obviously you'd go on to do sponsored stuff and i remember that's when i saw you i might in my you know feeble mind breaking out is when you started doing partnerships with the games you were actually parroting or making jokes about right yeah yeah um i remember actually the first well Hey Ash is what got Anthony the job writing at Gearbox. So he wrote yeah. Borderlands 2 in part because of Hey Ash. And then Valve uh, reached out to me to work on Team Fortress 2 stuff, um, I think because of Hey Ash and Tiny Tina. So yeah. it definitely, I mean, it's it's a really weird resume because there's so <laughs> many um, really immature, bizarre jokes in that show, but um, but it was kind of a good resume. I mean... Especially back then, I feel like, like I was saying, there just wasn't as much stuff out there. So yeah. if we made a video about Dance Central, the dudes from Dance Central were like, hey, look, there's this weird video about our game. Um, so yeah, it was a really great way to get connected to, again, it was not the intention, but it was a really great way to get connected to game companies and game developers and stuff like that. So you talked about, you know, bringing to the present day that, you know, you still struggle when you think about it sometimes of you're still just from hey ash that's just what right. you do right like but have you do, do you have you come to grips with the professionalism of it and not that you were unprofessional before but like the fact uh, that you yeah. are <laughs> but the fact that like this is your career now this is your life like do you do you still feel like you're i guess faking it sometimes i think whenever i think i've gotten way more comfortable with voice acting like sure. i at the beginning of my career I, I definitely had really intense imposter syndrome i remember i was cast in this nickelodeon pilot and i was like recording and, and shaking and my voice was not usable because i was so nervous because yeah. i just was like i get here what am i doing here <laughs> um but i think i mean thankfully i i've just been doing this work now for so long that i think my brain ran out of anxiety chemicals they're like i guess you know you haven't died yet from doing this so i guess you're fine they keep um, hiring you they keep, yeah, they keep hiring you me so i guess you're fine um but you know anytime that there's a i keep using this phrase today and it bugs me every time i need to think of a non-game punny phrase but level up every time i level up um so for instance something like mythic quest i had been in the writer's room but not in a professional comedy writers room with 10 sure. writers and folks that had made TV. Um, so that was like a new thing that I then had to sort of wrap my head around. Okay, I can do this. I can be here. I, I belong here, you know, and then acting in that show, same thing. So it's one of those things where like, I think also because I've moved to bigger, scarier things, 
voiceover now feels like a cozy little home for me. I'm sure. like, I know how this works. I've done this for years. I I feel comfortable with this. This this is um this is like a safe spot for me to well, come sure. back to when I do all the scary stuff that incites well, my imposter syndrome. <laughs> totally. And I think that was the thing of it's been so interesting as a fan to watch you grow and level up, as you say, trademark Ashley Birch, uh, <laughs> to see you, you know, get bigger roles and go. Because I remember like Life is Strange, you're like, oh my God, like that's awesome. But then, of course, like Horizon was around the corner and like mm. Horizon drops, and you're like, oh my God, <laughs> like a triple A, <laughs> you know, 40 hour campaign from Gorilla that they're putting all this into. And like you're the lead in it and you kill it. It was like, Thank wow you. i think it's been interesting to i think like we're talking now of like the people who are listening or watching the show and have no idea the youtube show or never heard of it right. but never watched it and think of you as professional voice actress and i think of you as like right. oh no she was a youtube person like us she did this she did the goofs and the gaffs and then right she somehow she got into jokes this. and yeah <laughs> <laughs> and now they're letting her be the lead of a franchise yeah um, no, no, no pressure <laughs> so, yeah yeah so I actually, let me do the rigmarole for the show before I ask you more, because I want to. I do want to talk to you about Kate here. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, this, of course, is We Have Cool Friends uh, each and every week on YouTube.com slash Kind of Funny and podcast services around the globe. We sit down with one of our cool friends to find out about the cool stuff they're doing. If you like that, you can go to Patreon.com slash Kind of Funny. Of course, you can get the show ad-free there. And most importantly, you can write in as a Kind of Funny best friend and get your question read in the friend zone. They hear what the guest has to say as they answer your stuff. Um, housekeeping for you, it's worth pointing out, this is the final week of kind of funny 2020 we are taking a holiday break we will be back on january 4th for our big anniversary stream 12 hours as we usher in the year six of kind of funny if you can believe it and it's also kind of wishy-washy about this being last week because technically there'll be a ps i love you next week but it's an awards thing don't worry about it don't stress about it it's just <laughs> we keep, look for content you'll get it uh today we're brought to you by manscape but i'll tell you about that later for now back to ashley birch you're really good at your job. I've said that before. Oh, I've said you. I'm a fan. I'm already in the tank. You know that or whatever. But what I like about you is that you have this range. And I think you see it with Tina being super bombastic and crazy. You see it with uh, Chloe, right, being this dialed in multidimensional character. You see it with Aloy, obviously, of being in this rock and hard spot of like, you know, far flung future stuff in the past. I won't get into the spoilers of Horizon. Don't worry about it. But Kate Bishop last night playing through. I thought you did such a good job of giving a character I know so well from the Matt Fraction books a personality all her her own. How much of that is you coming into that space and talking to the writers? Is it all on the page? Where does that go? I think with this project in particular, there was a really awesome marriage of a great script and a great director. And, uh, and they let me really, they let me really bring my interpretation to the character. I mean, when I auditioned, um, I didn't know it was Kate. They had written this really awesome script um, that was just about two people at a stakeout, basically. Mm. And um, and it was really well written and the relationship was was on the page in, in such a good way. I'm realizing now that, of course, it was supposed to be Kate and Clint. Sure. Um, but it was just really well written. And what's so amazing about having a script that's well written is that you then really feel like you can take it and you can add to it um, and you can bring yourself to it rather than spending the audition just trying to kind of make it work. Because there are some scripts that you get that you're like, I don't know what to do with this. Um, so it all starts with the writing and the writing was really good. And so I, I kind of just tried stuff. Um, I know that in the audition, um, I was a bit improv and a bit ad-libby. They, um, they seemed amenable to that. And then for the last take, I just had this thought like, it'd be funny if she was just eating nuts the whole time. So I like <laughs> went into the, the kitchen of the studio and I got nuts and I was just eating that, eating nuts while talking to who basically was supposed to be uh, Hawkeye. Um, and they were into it. So I think it was cool because from even from the audition, it seemed like they, they really wanted to see what I would bring. And they were really open to what I was going to bring. And I know I've known of Kate and have loved Kate for a while. And I love in part how funny she is. Sure. And so it was really cool to be able to tap into that and for them to be, for the developers and for my director to be open to whatever weird bullshit I wanted to pull. <laughs> so, uh, so. It, I'll stop her there. Was the boop 
Oh, Paul, I saw you, you, you put up the, they put up the trailer and you quote tweeting, you're like, they kept the boop. And I didn't yeah. understand it because I didn't watch the trailer. But then last night when I was playing it, you boop one of the bad guys on the nose. And I was like, oh, was that an ad lib or what was that? That was an ad lib. I saw nice. the, um, they had, a, they had, um, I think they, I remember having, they either had a animatic or they had some prelim like motion capture stuff. Um, but I saw that he, she flicked the guy and I, I just went for a boop and they, nice. they kept it. Which is great. Very nice. Yeah. It's, it's getting to, you know, bring the jovial nature of Kate out. Mm. And I think that was what surprised me is I expected that, right? When you, and I have, I, this is always an interesting thing for something like this. You do the stakeout, you find out, okay, it's Kate Bishop. You know, you've been cast as Kate Bishop in the Avengers game. Did you already have a knowledge for her? Did you go back and read her stuff? Like, or do you want to stay away from that and bring your own interpretation? Like what, what kind of research do you do for that? Um, I definitely was already familiar with Kate Bishop, but, okay. um, I also, yeah, it's one of those things where you, you don't want to get so in your own head with, with trying to fulfill an expectation sure. because then that's sort of a straight jacket. Like you really, you have to, you have to sort of, it, it, this is a sort of a trap that um, I fell into when I was a younger actor as well. It's just sort of trying to guess exactly what the developer wanted or what the writer mm. wanted or whatever. Mm. And you can't, it's impossible. Like, I'm going to be exactly what some people heard in their head when they read Kate Bishop. And I'm going to be an abomination of Kate Bishop to some people. And there's just no, you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, um, totally, totally. So the best I can do is, is bring the best of what I have to offer. And what is my interpretation? Because if you're trying to find the sweet spot that satisfies everyone, you're going to make something flat that doesn't take any risks and doesn't really say anything or do anything, you know? Is that like... Is that key to the whole acting thing? I think, you know, we had uh, earlier this year, Nolan North on a complete hack, but you had to work with him on this project. <laughs> and he talked about that as well, right? Of like going in and yeah, I think we were talking about how, you know, he gets guff on the internet for always just being Nolan. And he's like, well, mm -hmm. like, that's what I'm going to, I'm going to come in and do what I want to do with that character. And if you like it, great. And if you don't, I don't get hired. It's fine. Like, mm -hmm. I feel like that seems like a thing that, you're talking about most people would get in their head about what this director wants or what this person wants like is that key to the whole thing is forgetting that i think so i mean it's funny that people bag on nolan for that because nolan has really insane range i think people just don't know that he's, he's like, not gonna listen to this you don't have to you don't have to kiss his ass <laughs> no but it's true i mean i remember playing last of us and being like yeah that david was fucking yeah. nolan north yeah and like losing my mind um anyway uh yeah i i really think that's what it is i mean i i the thing is, actually, um, there was an, uh, a woman that I spoke to who's a, a seasoned voice actor and performer and improv person. And I remember her giving me a pep talk once. And she said something basically that's like, it sounds simple and kind of corny without, you know, without really knowing the process. But it's so true what she was basically like, the only thing that you bring that no one else brings is yourself. Um, mm. so I can look at a script and you can look at a script and our interpretations of the character are going to be vastly different. And I, I did not realize how a hundred percent right she was until I did, um, I had to do some mix and match chemistry tests for mythic quest. And that basically means there are multiple women up for the, the role that I'm up for and multiple women up for. The other role, the like love interest role, there's like sure. a bunch of different women up for the same roles. And then the producers do a mix and match where they go, okay, how is this Rachel with this Dana? And how is this Dana with this Rachel? And um, before I got cast, uh, I did this thing and I was in the room with like seven different people and every single person read Dana so differently. And it's so funny because I was also in the writer's room. So I knew what I thought Dana should sound like, but no one was bad either. It was one of those things truly where there was a person that was right for the part and everyone else had a really interesting ter interpretation that just wasn't right for the part. So it's one of those things where like, you really, you can't guess what anyone's looking for. And it, if you don't get a part, it's not that you're bad. It's that they're looking for something specific and some people will be able to find that and some people won't. But then also sometimes if you would just make a bold choice, you're giving them something that they didn't even know that they wanted. So sure. it's really not a guessing game. It's more about what do you want to show and what do you want to bring? When you approach roles from that perspective, do you have any preference on whether it's going to be 
straight VO, you're in your closet talk, surrounded by towels talking to microphone or something like Avengers where you're in the ping pong ball suit and you're walking around and you get to use the space? Um, I... It's such, it sounds like a, such a cop-out answer. I mean, I love it all. I I love it. Just give me jobs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, there's something really comforting about voiceover. I, like I said, I feel like, um, I feel like I'm so comfortable in a booth. Um, there's just something that I really, I feel like I'm in my element when I'm in a voiceover booth. Um, with motion capture and on camera, more, it's a relatively newer skill set. So I'm, I'm learning a lot more as I do those types of projects. Um, and I'm learning how to be most authentically myself and bring my most authentic performance in those contests in a way that I feel like I have kind of down more so with voiceover. Sure. Um, so they give me different things, you know? Um, but I do, I love, I love motion capture. It's, it's so fun. I mean, it's, it's the closest thing to folks like us get to being in a play kind of. Right. Because, yeah. Well, there's so, um, I think that's, if you've never been or watched behind the scenes stuff, if you've never been on a set or watched behind the scenes stuff, like so much of it, well, the first time I ever toured a mocap set or sat in on a session, it all reminded me of, you know, my limited uh, drama background in like high school where it was that there's blocking. And like, I remember it's not even what it was to be on stage with it as much as it was to be rehearsing in a space and have mm. like wood blocks. And that's, that and you have to pretend so much of what all this is to then make it go and see in the game what it actually is right yeah so oh sorry uh, no please well this is the joy of 2020 interviews where it's like, oh, oh you go, uh, you go. <laughs> no, I go. no you go it's my turn um so then back to kate then like you don't want to get too much into it you get the script you see what it is you start working through it like what i liked the most about it was not beating you over the head with it but watching her wrestle with everything that's going on with clint and again mm -hmm. i won't put spoilers in here for i you know i want everybody to play it obviously uh but even from the teaser trailers you've seen of him being in aim custody and what's going on and there being this subterfuge of like well is he did he switch sides is he doing this and that and the other like i guess for that when you want to approach that how do you how far back do you go for something like this where you're doing vo and you have to build the backstory for what's happened because obviously like you said we know clint we know kate we know their history from comics that's not necessarily what's happening here are you one of the actors who like really sits there and thinks it all the way through or are you taking it more from where you pick up with them i I kind of try to do some sort of measure of both. Um, with voiceover, you sometimes don't have the luxury of being able to sit with a script. Um, you might be finding out, you know, Life is Strange, for example, I didn't know what was happening on the day that we were recording until I got into the booth. Mm -hmm. So, you know, it would be a, a situation where I would show up and my director would say, hey, so just so you know, uh, we're going into an alternate timeline and uh, have fun. Uh, so that's kind of more my background is sort of like seeing it, processing it go. Okay. Um, but with, um, with this game, we did, I did get scripts and I did, I was able to review them beforehand. And so it was really nice to be able to, yeah, sort of plot where is she going um, and finding the sort of the, where to turn up and down the volume knob in terms of, I mean, it, it's all contextual stuff, right? Of of finding this character and making sure that she stays focused, doesn't doesn't break down too much, doesn't. Um, it's basically being judicious about where where do you find those moments of emotion, because you want to make sure that she feels um, fully fleshed out and complex, and that you're feeling that sort of tension, but also she is driven and focused, and she has a job to do. So, and, but also a huge part of that is working with the director and I had a really amazing director. His name is Kal-El, if you can believe it. And, um, <laughs> and sort of finding and pacing that stuff out with him of like, okay, sort of what's the music of this arc or of the scene that we need to hit these moments and make sure that we're staying, um, con like make sure that we're staying, uh, honest to where she is in her arc and also what are the requirements of even just fundamentally like gameplay you know sure. there are some conversations that take place while you, she's fighting yeah. and so you have to balance all those things well that's what i thought was uh 
so great about it and one of the things that i I love about avengers is the banter between them right because i think Mm -hmm. it could be so simple to have no one talk while you fight or run around one of the giant open environments but instead here you do have dialogue it was sussed out whether you know it'll be in a cut scene with you uh ripping on tony or whatever right calling him iron pants and then it'll be (laughs) you're in the elevator coming up and down getting stuff that but then yeah there it is but sprinkled in as you go and i thought it was awesome to see that context given of what's been going on with her like you know i mean we know the avengers are back and this has been one of the big questions i think for fans as since we've known about the launch of the game of all right cool the avengers have been gone for five years now they're back but what does that mean for everybody else and seeing you know kate talk about that and hawkeye talk about being like abandoned basically and left behind by them and what that means like it was interesting to see those relationships you know I guess mature and see what they was going to be happening five years later. And, you know, when, even when Iron Man's like, you're, you were a kid, you're like I was 19. (laughs) (laughs) Right. What is it like? And this is maybe a hard left turn, but do you have any ownership over Ms. Marvel? Like, you know, you voiced her in Lego Avengers. You were like the first canonical voice of her. Mm-hmm. was that there's a scene in this where you know uh, kate uh, spoilers decides she's going to stay with the avengers and you know ms marvel freaks out about it and i thought that was super cute but like do you did that would that resonate with you from somebody who's played both roles i mean with this type of type of situation you know it, it's funny with marvel and the avengers in general because you're usually going to have like five different people playing this one character, depending on what project, you know, you might have, you're going to have the person in the movies, person in the cartoon, person in the game, person in this other game. So it's one of those things where you, I think you try to embody the character and sort of let it go. And I think, I think um, the Miss Marvel that we have is, a perfect Miss Marvel. Oh man, she's fantastic. No, 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 I mean, I I wasn't trying to take it that way. I just thought, I think it's cool. I'm not trying to start anything. All right. I'm not trying to shit actually. All right. We're not trying to start a rock. Stop stirring the pot, Greg. Except for Nolan. He sucks. <laughs> All right. Gugh. You know what I mean? What a miss. We love Nolan North. Everybody knows that. Um, so yeah, like I guess my other question would be: since you are now such a storied actor, so many different roles and parts and stuff, are you I was talking to Yuri Yuri Lowenthal recently, right? And I was asking him as somebody else who's in a million things, right? Whether it be animation, games, all this stuff. I'm like, do you have like that catalog in your head of you remember everything and all these different things? Or for you, is it that you do, you go in there, you record it, obviously enjoy it, you bring something to it, but then you leave it at the door. And like, if I was to come up and ask you some random thing about Kate Bishop in a year and a half from now, would that still resonate with you? Or do you like, do you feel connection to your roles after they're over? I think, I mean, totally honestly i think it depends on um it depends on time a lot of the time so like there are certain games or certain projects that have been on where i show up for a day yeah um i might even play three characters and then i leave um so that just by the very nature that it was a day out of my life may not resonate with me as much as another project but generally if i spend a lot of time with a character i i form an affection and an attachment to them um so a lot of the characters that I've spent, you know, multiple hours with, of course, there's like Tiny Tina and Chloe and Aloy and all those guys and, and Kate and Parvati. If, I, if I've spent a lot of time with the character, I get invested in the character just like a player would yeah. and, uh, or a viewer would. And I form an affection for them. So, yeah, I mean, if you ask me about a one day gig that I did at the beginning of my career, I might be like, I was in that. But, um, (laughs) but for any of the roles that I, I spent a lot of time with, I always have, I always have a connection to those characters. It's funny. You know, you mentioned, uh, you as a player, you as a viewer, are you still a player? Like, are you still finding time to play games and get into everything? Yeah. I mean, uh, games have been a huge way that I've stayed in touch with friends during this time, honestly. Um, and, I haven't been able to get the next-gen consoles yet. I totally biffed it. You're too <laughs> I did busy. Not pre-order. You, you can't be there sitting there waiting to hit the direct buy <laughs> link from PlayStation or whatever. Got to fo- yeah. follow Wario64, get the notifications. <laughs> um, so I haven't been able to dive into some of the newer games that have come out. But um, but yeah, I still definitely play. I, I love games. And um, What are you drawn to these days? For to stay in touch with friends, I've been playing a lot of ARAM actually, okay. uh, League of Legends, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> because they love it and they play it all the time. So I've gotten really into it. Um, I'm excited to jump into um, 
Spider-Man. Oh, sure. I, You're I so good it. in that too. You're so good. In oh, that too. thanks, man. Um, and, and Avengers. I just haven't, for the last like three months, my life has been a black hole of being on set and then coming home and sleeping immediately. So um, I haven't really had time, but I'm excited, especially for the holiday period to just, just dive into some games. I'm really psyched. Are things, and I guess this is, you know, you're an actor, so it's different all the time, but are things in terms of uh, your professional life going back to some kind of normal? Like, I know that was at the beginning of this, it's been such a toss up of, right. you know, all these sets get shut down. So live action stuff's paused, but then mocap was weird for a while. But then if you're just doing VO, people were turning rooms and, you know, into, into amazing studios. And now I know so many people are going to, you know, we have a COVID nurse on site, you get, you get tested, you come in, you still stay apart and all that stuff. Like, mm -hmm. how is your 2020 career trajectory been changed? Well, I'm really lucky in that I, I decided to get a booth pretty early on. I hadn't had yeah. one before. This is my booth, yeah. actually. Um, oh, ooh, it's so, a nice one. Thank you. They had a oh, coronavirus sale. Ooh. <laughs> so I mean, I, hey, you got to do what you got to do. You gotta I do understand. What you gotta do. Um, so I got a booth, and um, all of the projects that I've worked on have been. It's honestly, it's pretty impressive how innovative and how um, malleable people have been. So like I have all this stuff to the side here is is tech for Horizon Forbidden West. I have a sure. head cam in there um, oh. for when I record with them. I have a mic set up. I have, you know, I just was like, okay, I'm going to make my house a studio. Here we go. And so I've been really lucky and that I've been able to work from home apart from being on set. So I haven't been to a studio in months. Um, wow. And I probably will just keep it that way for a while. Just, you sure. know just i think being cautious right now let's you know? see how this all goes yeah no we're let's the same way it where goes. it's like yeah you know we can, don't worry about next year everybody you're still working from home like we'll, yeah we'll, let's we'll just take it, it a day at a time we'll, we'll figure it out yeah aren't we all sick of the oh, just three more months oh just you know another couple of weeks don't worry about it yeah now uh before we went live i hit up herman hulse and he said you could tell me everything about horizon so is that, how's that shaping up that's <laughs> Like him, it so doesn't. I thought it was weird too, but yeah, he said, "Go for it strange. and enjoy a beer." And I was like, "Oh, that's Herman." And then here we are. <laughs> here. All right. Well, you know what? Uh, um, you know, out of an abundance of caution, I think I'm just gonna stay dodge away that from question. spoilers. Yeah, that's dodge fair. it. Uh, but I will say that it's. I'm really excited. Like I said, I play games. I played the. I played the first Horizon, and I'm a fan. And uh, I cannot wait for people to play this game. It's gonna be so good. We can't wait to play it, so don't worry about that. Um, actually, are you ready to enter the friend zone and have the kind of funny best friends ask you some questions? Let's do it. Too bad. You have to wait. Ladies and gentlemen, remember uh -huh. you go to patreon.com slash kind of funny where you can support the show, be part of the show, and get the show ad-free. Speaking of ads, Gregway. Here's a word from our sponsor. This episode of We Have Cool Friends is brought to you by Manscaped. Listen up, fellas. 2020 sucked. It's new year, new balls with our sponsor, Manscaped. Manscaped is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming, offering precision-engineered tools for your family jewels and helping 2 million men all over the world get rid of hair on their balls. If... You let yourself go in 2020 while in quarantine. Manscaped is here for you uh, to do a reboot and stay clean and shaved in 2021. Uh, of course, we all know 2020 sucked. All right. A lot of problems. Chief um, among them for some of you was that you just didn't groom yourself. Of course, you know, we've been using Manscaped here for a long time. We groomed ourselves. We didn't cut ourselves. We had a great time. Manscaped is here to give everyone a fresh start in 2021 with our perfect package 3.0. That's all the right tools for the job. Come out of quarantine with clean balls. Thanks to the lawnmower 3.0. Uh, this waterproof and skin safe trimmer will reduce nicks uh, to your two best friends. The third generation trimmer even has a light to keep the glow up if you need to in 2021. It's also time to freshen up down there. Uh, the Crop Preserver. It's an anti-chafing ball deodorant and moisturizer. You already put deodorant on your armpits. Why are you not putting deodorant on the smelliest part of your body? And for the go-to on the freshness, you need it right away. You'll love the Crop Reviver. Uh, yeah, that's right. Crop Reviver Ball Toner Spray. 2020 was awful, so make sure your boys are refreshed and ready for new beginnings in 2021. Manscaped even threw in their shed travel bag to keep all your goodies stored and comfortable. Uh, speaking of comfort, the Manscaped anti-chafing boxer briefs are also included and are hands down the best underwear you'll ever wear. A guy with hairy balls is like the year 2020. Don't be that guy. Get 20% off and free shipping at manscaped.com slash morning. That's manscaped.com slash morning. 20% off, free shipping, and your balls will thank you. 
Now we're in the friend zone. All right, don't worry. I insert the ad <laughs> after the way. You're fine. Now you're all set. We're all going to start with you. We're all going to start with you. Mm. Oh, I like this one. Uh, Emmett Watkins Jr. writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny and says, hey, Ash, big fan. Wanted to know if you ever feel like you might get pigeonholed into roles for characters that are more jubilant or bombastic. I know roles like Tiny Tina and most re recently Kate Bishop are fun to do, but do you ever crave something more serious, some of the more serious roles more often, like Aloy or Mel from The Last of Us 2? Parentheses for the record. I love all the roles you get. Just curious to know how you feel. Hmm, interesting. Um, I feel pretty lucky in that I feel like I've been able to run the gamut. Um, for a while, I think I was playing mostly just wacky characters, but I think ever since Chloe, I've yeah. sort of been able to dip my toes into both. I don't often get cast as villainous characters. So Viper and Valorant was pretty fun for that reason. I don't usually get to be cruel and mean. Um, <laughs> and it's pretty fun whenever I've gotten to do it. So um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I always like a challenge and I always like changing it up, but I actually feel like, especially, you know, with Aloy as well, there's like a lot of really heavy, Range, uh, yeah. like meaty, stuff uh in in zero dawn and forbidden west so well that's what i thought i thought was so interesting about last of us part two is that you know i have a pretty good ear and that was the first time where you pop or i shouldn't say that it was the first time in a while and memorably where you popped up and i was like that, that sounds like ashley but is it like the, the 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 way you were playing mel right with i thought it was just and at the end, obviously, spoilers, it boils over. But, like, she has so much emotion just beneath the surface. Mm. And so, like, just to bring it down into that register that's, like, right in between, right? That isn't super serious and isn't up here like Tina or whatever. It was yeah. interesting to see you ride that line. Thanks. Thank you. No problem. Uh, <laughs> I don't know why I was like, no problem. I don't know what the hell I'm talking about anymore. It's the end of the day. Uh, Adam Garcia writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny and says, Hey, Ashley, been a huge fan for many years from the early days of Hey, Ash. Your career has been inspiring to watch. As a fellow Phoenixian, Phoenician, oh. he's from Phoenix. Phoenician? Phoenician? Yeah, that would make Phoenician. sense. What's the one thing you miss about Arizona? Mm. Well, um, I guess this one's kind of moot now because I found out I'm lactose intolerant, but uh, <laughs> Oregano's. There's a pizza chain there called Oregano's. Um, that makes delicious sloppy food. And Kevin, give me oregano's on screen. I need to see. This <laughs> Get it up there. Let us see oregano's from uh, Arizona. They have a dessert there called a. I mean, it's a pizuki. You've had a pizuki before, sure, but they make sure. theirs in a deep dish pizza. So it's like a cookie that thick, crusty sure. on the outside, gooey on the middle, ice cream on top. It's the best thing you've ever had. Damn, I miss it. Good. No, I understand why. No, I, I, I. I tell me about the pizza. What's the pizza like? The pizza, you know, you really go there for the bazooka, to be honest. But they have oh, big recipes. Right. Uh, they have um, a pasta there called the Big Rig that sounds, it tastes like a deconstructed <laughs> hot pocket. The Big Rig. The big oh, my God. Now, hold yeah. on. Kevin's throwing it up here. I'm looking at this pizza. Hold on. Uh -huh. Look, it's not anyone that's, like, really into pizza is not going to be like, oh, what I've been looking for, the Mecca of pizza. Actually, but... I don't know if you look at me and think I'm going to some Michelin star pizza restaurant, <laughs> all right? <laughs> you tell me a gas station bathroom's got a good pizza. I'm lining up for it, all right? Just let me look at this pizza and enjoy for a second. Oh, God, that's a deep... You talk about deep dish pizza. That's a deep... Look at that. Look at the crust on this guy right there. Oh, Good yeah. They're not messing around over there at Oregano's. Oh, my gosh. How are you, you doing with this lactose intolerant business? Well... I try to stay away from dairy, but you know, sometimes I it's just everywhere. have to pop, pop a lactate and eat sure. pizza. Okay, you good. Know. As long as you're fighting the good fight. I'm Kevin fighting does the, the fight. same thing. Kevin does Kevin loves milkshakes, but they don't love him, but he still does it. Fight it every day. <laughs> every day. Sometimes right before a flight, which is always a bold choice, but he does. Oh it. wow, Kevin. You're a renegade. He's got it's it's not my fault. Say. They it's the uh, they call to you. The burger joint is right next to the terminal that we always go to. I know they're really they're they're practically forcing you to have a milkshake. It's so good, and the company pays <laughs> for it every time. You know, it's true. Yeah, you know, you can trip. make a pretty damn good dairy-free milkshake if you get the right ingredients. Nah, it sounds but... like nonsense. I'm out of here. Sounds like nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> you won't hear it. You, you will not hear it. hear it at all. You will not hear it at all. I understand. I understand. Uh, Mitch Crasson writes in and says, what of your roles, what of the roles you have played do you consider the most different, potentially the one that made you stretch the most? Hmm. I think, um, I think Aloy definitely made me stretch the most just because of the, 
the requirements of that role, you know, I mean, it's, sure. it's playing the lead of an open world game is interesting because just technically in terms of story, the player guides where Aloy goes, of course. So you have the critical path storyline, but then you have hundreds of side quests sometimes. So you can't, you have to make sure that even though Aloy has an arc and a really interesting story, she still needs to feel consistent no matter where you go as a player. Yeah. Because if you choose to save a quest that you got at the very beginning of the game until the very end, and Aloy's mostly completed her arc, you don't want to feel like, oh, why does she suddenly sound like, you know, pre-arc Aloy from the very beginning of the game? It has to sure. sound consistent, but then you also need to make sure that this character has depth and um, has, has their, their arc feels... Um, satisfying and earned and um so it's an interesting thing to have to juggle to maintain sort of a baseline and a groundedness to her that applies no matter how the player chooses to play the game while also feeling like she shifts and she changes and she's complex and she has layers so um yeah it was it was i think it was definitely the role that taught me a lot about being a performer and stretched me the most for something like that where yeah there's so much quest based but then also there's like decisions right and this is mm -hmm. getting a little bit out of uh, uh, aloy but in general with what you've done of like you know having a different choice having a different thing I, you know th th i think the easy answer so many people talk about when or example people give is yuri again in spider-man right where they recorded two different versions of every line him just standing there or him swinging through the like exerting right. himself while he's on the phone do you, when there's something similar in a project you're working on, where there's choice or consequence or whatever, is it that you read every one of the options or you give a performance for every one of the options you could say as Aloy or, or whoever? Or is it that you like try to carry it through one of the narratives? Like, all right, here's where you're mad at this person. You go multiple lines with that. Or is it, you understand what I'm saying? Am I presenting Yes, so like, there was like a flashpoint or like a, like a dialogue tree. Yeah. Um, you take each situation as its own as its, as its own um, little scene-lit scene kind of thing. Sure. So, for example, in Horizon, they have the flashpoints where um, I believe, wow, I'm, I can't believe I'm blinking, but it's like aggressive, um, anal fake analytical, fan. I know, I'm such a fake gamer girl. Uh, <laughs> aggressive, remember, remember that whole thing, how dumb uh, that yeah. was? Anyway. <laughs> a gamer Analy girl, yeah, thank God that's done with. Thank, <laughs> no, thank God nobody's mean to women on the internet anymore. Yeah. <laughs> um, fight we continue to fight, Ashley. True. Um, I'm with you. Yeah, it was the hard. It was the aggressive fist. and yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and compassionate. So, um, with that kind of thing, it's it's a sort of thing that you could you could choose to play Aloy aggressive the whole way through, and you have a different color of Aloy. But they all need to feel grounded in the same person. Sure. So it's one of those things where, for Aloy, I think all of those things do exist within her, even if you never choose the aggressive option as your playthrough. Um, I've played, I, I think of her and I play her as someone that has all of those shades within her so that when I get to those flashpoints, it doesn't feel like suddenly she's a different person. Um, so everyone's Aloy is probably a tiny bit different, but I think the main thing is that there is a, there is a connection to all those points lead back to the same person. And it's important that that feels true. Um, so, you know, it's tricky, but it's a really fun challenge. Uh, Rylan Prince writes into patreon.com slash kind of funny and says, how was your time on critical role? Spoiler question. And it's not really a spoiler, but it kind of is. I guess if you want to know nothing about what's happening on critical role, how was it to watch a player die? But it, we're not mentioning the right. player or anything like that. Um, being on critical role was awesome. It's as, it's as much fun as you would imagine it to be. Matt even Travis and, Willingham, even him, even Travis. Well, actually huh. I wasn't really there whenever Travis. Oh, was there. perfect. That's yeah, great. Then. Was, yeah. I'm sure you had a great time. There was one session that I was. Or two, maybe. And it was delightful, Sorry. honestly. Uh, <laughs> you're just taking pot shots in. I love if, it. If you come <laughs> up and you're one of my action. friends, you're going to get it. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I had such a good time. Matt's an incredible DM. Yeah. Um, I'm friends with all those guys, so it, it, was, it was great. I mean, it felt like a home game that was being watched by uh, thousands of people. Um, and I was mortified when <laughs> to see a player die. I really was like, I'm going to just, I went in go, going like, I'm going to role play. Like, I'm really going to try to stay true to this character that I've created. I'm going to make choices that are not going to be popular if they are consistent with the person that I have laid out. 
and I did, and then he died, and it was it was intense. I left the room, and one of the um, production people was crying, <laughs> and I was like, "What have I this done?" This is what I've, we've done this to people, <laughs> especially because I was filling in um, because Laura and Travis were gone because they just had a baby, and it was yeah. like they had given me their other baby to, help <laughs> to protect, and I killed no, one of them. You the screwed kids. this up. You um, screwed this up. But it was definitely epic. It was, I would, I'm not going to forget that. Okay. Uh, let's move to Mythic Quest. This comes from Pat. Hey, actually, I just want to ask you a bit about Mythic Quest. Uh, I was a big fan of the first season and really enjoyed the writing in particular. What kind of background did the rest of the writer's room have in video games? And do you have a particularly favorite episode? Thanks for coming. And we have cool friends. Ah, um, uh, not a whole lot of background in video games. Um, I think... I think uh, Rob had played a handful. He played like The Last of Us and a couple of other games. Um, but apart from me, there was one other writer named Humphrey Carr who were both big nerds and had played a ton, a ton of the games. And then also um, we had a couple of execs from Ubisoft, sure. uh, Danielle and Jason. And Jason was also our resident game expert, but he'd also like worked in game development. So he had that viewpoint on it as well. But um it was nice. It was a nice feeling of job security uh, to be like, they can't get rid of me. I'm one of the only people who knows about games. <laughs> uh, not that they would. I was just really terrified of getting fired at the beginning, but uh, they didn't do that. They're very nice. Um, and then uh, favorite episode. Um, I really like the, <laughs> I really like the Nazi episode. Oh, David's okay. trying always to figure out. What, yeah, it's always fun <laughs> to say. Uh, David's basically trying to figure out um, if he can ban all the Nazis from the game. They find out they have a Nazi problem in the game. Um, <laughs> it's it's a fun episode. Okay, two 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 more to get, and then we'll get out of here. Uh, Johnny Bosworth writes in, of course, and you probably know Johnny Bosworth. He he hosts an annual annual uh, award show where he gives out the boz. It's a little uh, styrofoam uh, cube. He spray paints gold. Everybody knows Johnny. <laughs> Uh, where have you found the most encouragement? I feel that it can be difficult mm. to find inspiration to keep creating sometimes. Where do you look for that in this crazy time? I, I often get encouraged and inspired by other people. Um, I'm really lucky to work with some really incredible folks and really creative folks and really hardworking folks. And they especially the the writers that I work with on Mythic Quest and the cast I work with on Mythic Quest are so smart and so driven and so innovative and talking to them and and working with them just really gets me, I don't know, it just gets me excited and it makes me feel really creative. Um, good collaboration is like, it's hard to come by, but when you get it, it's, it's the best feeling. So, um, What's really great about that show, I think, is that we we really help um, kind of inspire each other and lift each other up, and it's it's really nice. Good. I want to end on that uh, on this question, which is I think dovetails with that one. This one comes from Eagles fan Jordan. Sorry, Jordan, I butchered that. Eagles fan. Uh, hi, Ashley. First of all, I wanted to thank you for being so passionate about bringing awareness to the opiate epidemic. Uh, my cousin fought with opiate addiction for years before he lost his fight. It truly means a lot to have someone with your platform bring awareness to an issue that was largely ignored for quite some time. I've also seen you open up about dealing with anxiety and other mental health issues. Your episode of Between the Sheets with Brian W. Foster really resonated with me. I've suffered with anxiety and poor mental health off and on for the last few years. So my question is, do you have any suggestions for how to sort of harness mental health issues into positivity, whether that's ways of trying to normalize the negative stigma associated with mental health issues or ways to use it to channel your own creative expression? Hmm. Wow. Um, that was so well written. Um, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry to hear about, about your... Um, who did he say he was? Cousin, was? cousin. His cousin. I'm sorry to hear about your cousin. Um, that's really hard. Um, I, yeah, I, I find that talking about it and being vulnerable about it, even if it's just within your circle of friends or family, um, mm -hmm. having mental health issues is really useful because I think issues like that, like anxiety or depression, they just get fed and they grow from lack of communication or lack of vulnerability around them. And it's really hard to, 
it's really hard to admit when you're struggling, but yeah. especially this year, I, I hope, I think that people can see that everyone is struggling. And um, I think the more that we are not afraid to talk about that, because um, it's not just sharing stuff like that helps can help you, but you kind of have no idea how much it helps other people because just yep. telling your own story can really help people feel seen is what I've learned. So um, I think alone, just that alone in a, in a personal setting can be really helpful and really powerful. And um, yeah, for me, I mean, um, what did Carrie Fisher always say? She said, take your broken heart, turn it into art. I think that is, it's a, it's a huge part of being a creator is taking experiences like that and finding ways to convey that in your work or um, learn from it. I mean, I know sometimes people see mental health issues as, as roadblocks and things that stop them from doing what they want to do, but they can also be teachers. There's, there's stuff that you can learn about yourself and other people from examining those issues and mm -hmm. um, being honest about them. Um, and if you, if you treat those parts of yourself with compassion, there's actually a lot you can gain from, from having those experiences, not to say that they don't fucking suck, but, um, but they aren't, they aren't just all bad. They can, they can be good teachers. Incredibly well said, actually. Thanks. Actually, thank you for being one of our cool friends. Hey, thanks for letting me be one of your cool friends. Of course, everybody can catch you right now, Marvel's Avengers. You are Kate Bishop, of course, like all the other characters that will be added to this game. It's free, so if you have Marvel's Avengers, you can just pop it on, update it there. Uh, Kate Bishop is. But outside of that, Ashley, where can people keep up with you? Um, well, we got a second season of Mythic Quest coming out, which we're all very, very excited of and proud of. Uh, excited about and proud of. Um, <laughs> grammar got the best of me for a second. Um, it happens. <laughs> And um, there is a Disney animated show I'm going to be in called The Ghost and Molly McGee, which is coming mm. out, um, I think, sometime next year. Don't quote me. And, of course, Rise in Forbidden West. Very excited. 2021 going to be a big year for you again, it looks like. <laughs> hopefully. We'll see. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, hopefully. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, remember, this is We Have Cool Friends. It's your weekly podcast where we talk to our cool friends about the cool things they're doing. You can get it on YouTube.com slash kindoffunny. Podcast services around the globe. Of course, you can support us on Patreon.com slash kindoffunny to get it ad-free. Get your questions read and have a good time. Remember two things. Number one, there will be no We Have Cool Friends for the rest of December. This is our last 2020 episode. We will be back on January 4th, 2021 for Kind of Funny Day. Uh, 2021 uh, it'll be 12 hours of streaming content as we talk about what is next for kind of funny on our sixth anniversary and also remember oregano's is your arizona pizza chain <laughs> at your neighborhood pizza joint where they serve great food with ice cold specialty drinks and a side of good laughs so whether you're bringing the whole family for dinner your co-workers for a business lunch or looking for a second date insurance wink wink we'll treat you every, we'll treat every meal like it's a big deal the Chicago pizza restaurant. They got good looking thin pizzas too. I'm excited to get Kevin. We got to go back to Arizona when COVID. Yeah, you go to Arizona. I'm all you in. Gotta. I'm all in. Look at this thing. It looks yeah, yeah, good. We, last time we went there, we just went to the WWE event and came home or whatever. We didn't even know about Oregano's. Now and we have Oregano's and Chino Banditos. And all that's right, about Chino. all that Phoenix has to offer. <laughs> 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 thank you so much for the food recommendation <laughs> you're welcome until next time ladies and gentlemen it's been our pleasure to serve you <laughs>